This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. That we have already been touched, Lord, and that anointing flows through us, Father, and accomplishes, oh, just great peace and healing and wholeness in our lives, Father. We reach for it by faith and we receive it and we thank you for it. Father, there is none like you, Lord, none like you, none like you. We want to see as you see and we want to hear as you hear. We, un- we want to understand the mysteries that you bought and paid for us, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, you always come to healing school, always come to healing services. And you're quick to heal. Your word was, I will be healed. Father, so today we receive that. We receive it and we take it and we thank you for it. We give you the praise and the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Father, I thank you for blind eyes to see and deaf ears to hear. I thank you for Alzheimer and dementia and Lewy body and Parkinson's and cancer and diabetes and every evil work to scream in terror as it flees and sets the captives free. I thank you, Father, that your power, there is no foe that can withstand your power. And at the name of Jesus, every knee bows and every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. So we life organs right now. We life eyes and ears. We life um, nasal passages and hearts in Jesus' name. We life vertebrae and we life kidneys and and, uh, every connecting tissue with them. We life livers in Jesus' name. We life prostates and urinary tracts in Jesus' name. We life arm muscles and leg muscles and feet and ankle muscles. We life every part of our body. We life our mind and our brain and every connecting tissue. We even like our life our hair follicles and command them to grow. You said every hair on our head is numbered. And so, Father, we claim the original number in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you, and we choose your word, and we declare that our youth is renewed as the eagles, all because Jesus paid the sacrifice for us. And by his stripes, we are healed, and we receive it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. Well, before I start, would anybody like to give a testimony of something that's happened in their life lately or in the life of a friend We give God glory? I can see somebody's got something. I have several things. You want to pick one? Sure. All right, come on. happened years ago (laughs) something happened uh, to my voice I was I was very young and had just gotten into learning about uh, 
what the word has to say about healing. Really didn't know much at all <laughs> back then. But I believe the word of God. And so somebody told me about this. And I, what happened to my voice was I could talk just fine. But when, and I've, I've been a singer since I was little. And when I would try to sing, my voice would just, it would just give out. It would just crack and just nothing would come out. Like I, it's like I had a perpetual frog in my throat. And so somebody told me about this lady that was having a meeting, and she had this healing ministry. And uh, somebody invited me to go, and I went. Well, this was all new to me, you know, in the beginning. But she got up there, and she started talking about what the Word says about healing and everything. And then she said, now, in just a minute, the Lord's going to start healing people all over the place. And there was probably at least a couple hundred people there. And she said, as that happens, come up to the stage and tell, you know, what happened. Well, and I'm leaving something out. Before I went, I, t I said to the Lord, Lord, I want my voice to be healed. I know that you, that healing is provided in the word. I believe your word. And I believe that when I go to this meeting, my voice is going to be healed. And so, you know, when she said that, and then all of a sudden she started calling certain things out, you know, like somebody's healed of back, whatever over here. And people were like, ah, oh, you know, and they'd get up and go to the stage. And I was like, don't forget me, Lord, don't forget me. You know, I, I didn't know at the time you don't really have to beg God. I mean, he's already done it. You just have to take it. So, um, anyway, sure enough, at one point, it was like my throat just opened up. It just cleared up. That frog went away. There was this lightness and openness in here. And I, I knew that I was healed, you know, but I was still kind of a chicken about <laughs> going up there and telling it, you know. But finally, the Holy Spirit made it so hot on me that I had to go up there, and I did. I went up there and said, my voice just got healed. You know, I've had this affliction in my voice, don't know what it was, had not gone to the doctor, and I'll never know really physically what that was. But, you know, my voice was healed that day, and I was able to sing again. And I've sung in church, I've sung in other places, and uh, I just have to give glory to God because... He healed my voice, and that's why I can sing today. Amen, amen, amen. Isn't that wonderful? Anybody else? Okay, Jerry, come on. Yeah, we have, uh, I've had uh, digestive problems with my di digestive tract for several years that I've been kind of struggling with, but we, uh, we had a service here about three or four weeks ago, and uh, Pastor Bob was just preaching, teaching, and he was calling forth some stuff, and he said somebody here is having trouble with their digestive tract, and I thought, well, okay, that's me, so, so I didn't really know until I started swallowing, but I just began, you know, when we just, you know, we believe God heals, we believe he does it in miracles instantly. Or sometimes it's a process. So, so I just took that word, and I just began to thank God for my healing and just started eating. And over the next few days and few weeks, um, I noticed there was something different. 
and I was just taking the Word of God, speaking it over my throat, my digestive, and just thanking God for what I believe He had already done. And last, I think a week and a half ago, I looked at my wife, and I was just eating, and I thought, well, it was it's stuff that you eat like meat or a bread and stuff, and it's just hard to get down. But everything, one day I noticed that as I was eating, everything went, was going down completely smooth. And I looked at my wife, and I said, I know I'm healed now. And so my throat, my digestive tract, everything has been good, and I just praise God for it. Well, I can tell you it has been just a few short months ago. Um, I've had somebody come to my house who had in the past struggled with cancer, gone through a bunch of treatments and had a lot of bad results um, as, uh, as the result of the treatments. And um, um, she just got a word from her doctor that there was something in her stomach area and he believed it to be cancer and she was going back for a series of tests in a few days after that and she asked you know could we pray and so we prayed and laid my hands on her and when I was touching her I felt something move you know but just do it by faith and go and let God be God and you know so a couple days later, I get reports back from her, and there is no sign of cancer. But the doctor reiterated that he was sure that there was something there because he had felt something. But God moved it out. It's not a hard thing for God. There's nothing that's too hard for God. A lot of times what happens is that we, we hear a diagnosis or, you know, we get a diagnosis. And physicians, thank you, Jesus, for physicians. You know, how many of us, how many of us wouldn't be where we are without some help from physicians? So, you know, we're very grateful. But they're speaking into your life something. And they are doing it based on their experience. And, you know, when I talk to people about healing a lot of times is they don't necessarily believe God heals. And if he does heal, he qualifies who gets healed and who doesn't get healed. And so there's all the reasons why, but yet most of everybody that's in the cemetery has consulted a doctor beforehand, right? So why not consult the great physician and see what he has to say? We will wait hours and hours and hours and get somebody to speak into our lives something that they believe is true, and we get a report from somebody that we barely know that says, hey, your time's almost up. You better make your arrangements because it's short. And when we do that, we're deciding that we're going to take that report and we are going to make it truth in our life. Do you know what? There's only one truth, and that is the truth of the Word of God. Everything else is a fact. And the wonderful thing about facts is everything is temporal. It's subject to change. Those facts are temporal. The truth is not. 
The truth is always the truth, and the truth will change the facts. Now, I've said this before, but I've heard, um, which, you know, some of the exciting things that you hear, you know, seen a lot of miracles. This team has seen a lot of miracles, and <clears throat> we're not here by accident today. I have, I can't tell you how many texts I have received this morning of people that are going to be here that could not be here because they're afflicted in their body and or they didn't feel like coming or whatever the case is. But I'm telling you, God has this team, you know, assembled so that we can have results is the bottom line. And you're not here by accident. None of us are here by accident. We're here because God has a divine purpose. And, you know, I always love the fact that the course that he has for us is not the same. We all have a different course. We all walk a different thing. But he brings us together in unity. And in unity, his, you know, his spirit flows. And the things he said where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst. So uh, the unusual things I've heard, which I think are just, just, wow, can God do that? Of course he can. So years ago, this is an old testimony, but years ago, um, this woman had um, x-rays. And I forget what the diagnosis was, but it wasn't good. Um, but it must have had to do something with the curvature of the spine or whatever. And and uh, the diagnosis. So she takes the word of God and just kind of like what you said this morning, and you said this morning, <clears throat> that's what's in my notes. We're going to talk about the practical aspects of using the word of God and taking the word of God and taking God at his word and changing what the report is to what the truth is. And the truth is that God sent his word and he healed you and delivered you. He loves you, he never leaves you, and he never forsakes you. And it's that same spirit spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, it will quicken, it will make alive your mortal spirit by his spirit. That means it pushes out sickness and disease. How does he do it? I don't know. And it's not my place to know. My place is to, to believe him. Believe him. Well, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So this woman takes these x-rays that are all weirded out, and she's speaking over her body, and she put the x-rays in the Bible. And every time she walked by there, she would tell herself she's healed. I'm healed in the name of Jesus. And whatever she did, however she did it, but she, those x-rays were in the Bible. And she'd touch that Bible, and she'd declare. Well, through the course of time, Jerry said this is interesting. Sometimes it's a process. Well, a miracle, all a miracle is, is a hurried-up process, an instant process, but it's still a process. It's always a process. Sometimes it's quick, sometimes it's longer. But as she would go by and pray and pray, and the days went by, but she was steadfast and consistent about it, she received healing for her body. It manifested. She received it at the end of the prayer when she asked for it. All things that you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive and you shall have it. God doesn't answer our prayer way out there. Our prayer is answered when we ask. You can prove that in Scripture. That's none of my notes to go through today, but you can go back and prove that in Scripture. Um, it was already answered, but there's delays because the enemy has a job 
and the job is to keep you from getting the things of God. So anyway, so she gets the report and everything, and lo and behold, the x-rays that were in the Bible have changed to mirror her report that she's healed. Now, here's another thing. I heard this just happened a few months ago from my understanding. And um, this gentleman brought his daughter, and she had scoliosis. And she had scoliosis so bad that it, when she stood, that you could put literally, well, I don't know if you could literally, but figuratively, you could put a cup on her hip. That's how far out of joint everything was. And she got prayed for, and God healed her so that she straightened up. That was not an issue anymore. Everything was fine. She was pain-free and going. So they go to the doctor just for, you know, you go through the process and ver verification and everything and, and all of that because they, you know, have procedures they want to follow. But the gentleman comes back about a month later with x-rays, and he presents them to the preacher. And in front of everybody wants to know how come the x-rays still show that she has scoliosis like that. She said, he said, you could look at her and she's straight. She's no pain, she's doing fine. But the x-rays that were taken just a few days before still showed her crooked. He said, there's a lot of pressure under me. He said, you think this is easy? He said, I'm saying, Lord, what's the answer here? What's going on? He said, God told them, tell them the x-rays just haven't caught up with the healing yet. See, isn't that a wonderful thing? The x-rays haven't caught up with healing. The x-rays are not the final result. The report is not the final result. It's whose report will you believe. There is a report. Now, we're going to go back to basics for a minute, and then I'm going to um, talk to you about healing is not a reward for good behavior. How many times have we thought, you know, a well-known preacher who's served God for a lot of years has been diagnosed with a horrible disease, and we think, well, why him, Lord? He served you all this time. Well, what is that? What does that tell us about our thinking? Our thinking's been corrupted, hasn't it? Because what we do doesn't earn us healing in terms of, let me say this better, what we do when we stand by faith, we get that, what God has, has said belongs to us. But we don't earn. We don't earn our healing. We cannot earn our healing. It's not a reward for doing anything good. Let's go to Proverbs 4. And the key to things starts in Proverbs 4. Well, let me not say it that way, really. It is a key, not the whole key of things, but making God's word, if I can put it this way, making God's word final authority in your life is the start of being on the right track. Um, Proverbs 4.20 says, My son, attend to my words, incline your ear unto my sayings, let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them, my word, in the midst of your heart. For they, my words, are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh, to all their physical body. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it 
are the issues or the forces of life. Now look at verse 24. It says, put away from thee a forward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. Let your eyes look right on and let your eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways, all your ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove your foot from evil. So let's look at a key, uh, a few key things here. He said, attend to my words. Incline your ear unto my saying. Who is doing this, us or God? We are, right? We, so what does that mean? If we back up a step, we have to decide there's something here that's important for us. There's something here that we need to do. It can't be working God into our schedule. It has to be God first. You know, if you want to bake a cake and you want the cake to turn out delicious, you do it by a recipe of ingredients, right? What's supposed to be in there, what's not supposed to be in there. Sometimes you add things, sometimes you subtract things, making a better recipe. But if the recipe calls for flour, you don't go and put spinach in there. But many times what we do is we think we know what the Word of God says and how the Word of God says what it says, and we don't spend time. I like baked potatoes. I enjoy them. I think they're wonderful, just hot and fluffy and white and all the good toppings on top of them. But the baked potato I had last week will not sustain me today. If you eat once, that's a wonderful thing. It's a great memory. But what nutrition is that baked potato putting in my body today that I ate last week? Absolutely none. It won't do anything for you. The word of God is life to those that find them in health and healing to all their flesh. It's medicine. How often do you take medicine a day or take vitamins? Do you take the word of God every time you take, you know, when you... Um, I heard this, and um, I've, had several, I've had several people experience this, is when you're taking medicine, you put the medicine in your hand, and you talk to it. You command it what it's going to do and what it's not going to do. It's only going to do good and no harm. And I've heard of people taking chemotherapy with absolutely no side effects. Two attending nurses on staff waiting for the results of the chemo to hit like it does everybody else, and they had no side effects whatsoever. They prayed over that medicine. And just recently, um, I heard this. Um, there's a young man who has a young daughter. Him and his wife have a young daughter who's nine years old, and she was uh, diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And they went in there, and they took out the ovary, one, I think, one fallopian tube, and whatever the inner parts of that stuff is. But anyway, so they prayed. They're believing God for restoration, all the stuff that goes with it, and they're telling her probably won't be able to have children, all the things that go with that diagnosis. And, and uh, she told her dad, she said, Dad, I want to believe for them, for God to put back the parts, whatever parts were taken. I know one fallopian tube was gone. And so... Um, uh, as they went through, she was healed. Everything 
whatever happened, everything was good. God healed her. It was great. And then the report came um, later on that the surgeon who had removed the inner parts had told the wife at that time, had said, um, both tubes were there and such and such and so and so. And he went on to the whole explanation. And, and she said, now let me ask you this question. She said, you did remove. You're the surgeon that removed the one tube. He said, yes, do you have any other questions? And he went and talked about it. But both of them were there. God restored her completely. This was just not very long ago. And um, so here's a, a now a healthy youngster going about her business because she dared to believe God for healing and wholeness. One of the things that, you know, God has showed me, comparing yourself to somebody else never helps anything. You can't compare. A lot of times when we're in the midst of sickness and disease and we're trying to do everything we can, here comes a friend with a report about how so-and-so did this and they didn't do this and they weren't good and this wasn't happening and, oh, you can't do this. Hear God for yourself. He speaks. He will lead you and he'll guide you and show you what specifically. You know, a lot of times you get a scripture and you start meditating on that scripture. Ask the Holy Spirit what scripture is right for you. He will lead you. That scripture, a word spoken to you will have more impact than you can realize. You hang on to that in the middle of the night when things are going rotten and it looks like there's no way you're going to win. That scripture comes alive. You said, Lord, that I shall not die but live and declare the works of God. You said, Lord, and you take that scripture. It rises up inside of you and produces something that you can't do. You can't. But God can, and there's a power and authority there. Let us not depart from thine eyes. Let them, the God's word, not depart from your eyes. Keep God's word in the midst of your heart. How do you do that? You do it by listening. You do it by reading. You do it by the confessions. Do your words. You know, the Bible says, by your words you're justified, and by your words you're condemned. What? have we said that lines up with the word of God? What have we said that lines up with the word of the enemy? Now, remember this, that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Fear tolerated is faith contaminated. Kenneth Copeland preaches that all the time, and it's ingrained in me. When you allow fear to enter in, well, what is fear? Doubt, worry, unbelief, um, anything that's against God is an inoperable word in the kingdom of God. So when you take those words and you're constantly saying, I don't think I'll make it, this is killing me, this hurts, I don't know what I'm going to do next, all you've done is step into the enemy's camp and you're in the middle of his camp, and he has free reign in your life. You remember what um, J. Iris, when J. Iris came, and the woman with the issue of blood. Okay, let's go over there real quick. Mark 4. My sister says I always go back to this, but I just like it so much. Let's see, Mark chapter 5. Let's see, is that right? Love Mark chapter four. Absolutely. Uh, about a month ago, I had a heart attack, and uh, 
Wait, 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 let's do it this way. So everybody can hear. Thank you. So anyway, when the ambulance got there and everything, you know, it was just sort of a real slow process for them to get me into the ambulance. And so uh, when I got in there, before they would do anything to me, they made me sign this uh, iPad with my finger that if, if I died in the ambulance on the way to the hospital, uh, that they wouldn't be held responsible. So uh, when I was in the ambulance, uh, I overheard the ambulance driver call the hospital and say, get the stat team ready because uh, it's possibly DOA. And I'm laying there, and I'm thinking, wow, this is something that nobody wants to hear when you're going to the hospital. But the, but the verse that you said, I shall, uh, I shall not, uh, I shall, die, I shall not die, I shall live, I'll not die. Declare the you works know? of God. And, then, and that came up inside of me, and I kept saying that over and over and over again in the ambulance on the way to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't die. I'm still here. So mm -hmm. I guess God's got something he wants me to do. And I'm going to try to do it the best I, I can in my own. But uh, I had to say that because of, uh, you know, it's the truth. You know, you have to believe what God has to say for your life and everything. Mm -hmm. you know, because when I was laying there, I was looking at Terry and my friends, my guys in my band and and there wasn't anything they could do to help me. It was me and God. And, uh, and so, therefore, I just, uh, he's faithful. See, Even you, in the midst of me not really living my life correctly all the time. And it, like you said earlier, you know, it's not on us. It's about, you know, a relationship yeah. with God and how yeah. he loves us with all his heart. And God is not out to get you. That's right. He is, he is cracking a doorway to give you an opportunity to choose him in his way. All the time, the enemy is standing over there trying to steal your life. Hey, David, am I supposed to turn this off? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, so that brings up a couple interesting points. He said in the word, my son, attend to my word. If there is no word in there, what is going to come out? What, if you squeeze a ketchup bottle, what comes out? Ketchup. So if he had no word in him to go back on and they said possible DOA, out of his mouth he could have said, I'm going to die. So what did he just do? He just took the report. He grabbed that report. And two against three win. And he shut God out. He gave God no avenue to help him. Yeah, but God is still able. Yes, God is able. God is not restricted, but we restrict him. And Malachi said, your words have been stacked against me. What do our words say? We think a lot of times that we can earn things, that we've been good or we've done this or we've done that. And, and um, the truth is, God's no respecter of persons. You can't earn it. Because if you can earn it, then Jesus' sacrifice meant nothing. So he put the word in so the word would come out. In the moment of crisis, what you have in abundance as you are squeezed and squeezed and squeezed, what you have in your heart is going to come out. And your brain stops. And whatever in your 
self in abundance in your heart as a man thinks in his heart so is he out of the abundance of the heart the mouth will speak and when you need it the most and you speak the words of the enemy you give him a legal license and ability and an inroad into your life what we need to do is cut that wrote off. You got any sin in your life? You got anything you've done wrong? Do you have anything, excuse me, that you've done wrong? You know what? Yes, Lord, I'm guilty, but I plead the blood. Cleanse me and repent from it in turn. That's the first step in getting to what we need from God. Because he said, if your heart condemn you, then you have confidence towards God. But if your heart condemn you not, then, excuse me, if your heart condemn you, let me say it right, if your heart condemn you not, then you have confidence towards God. If your heart condemns you not. Well, what does that mean? Is that if things are talking to you about, oh, you've done this, you've done that, and why would God do anything for you? Why would God do anything for you? Let me ask you that question. Why would he do anything for any of us? Anybody have an answer to that? He loves us. But do you know he's not going to heal you? He will. He's not in the future. He already has. He's already done it before the foundation of the world. He completed the sacrifice over 2,000 years ago when Jesus bought and paid for it. And Jesus, it says all, all of that was put. God put all of that. Jesus said, no man takes my life. I lay it down. And so there's a great exchange that happened. What he bore, we receive. But let me ask you this. If you have benefits at work and you have health insurance benefits and you're entitled to go see the doctor, but you have a paper that says you have health insurance benefits, but you've got, you got this horrendous thing going on, but you're not going to go to the doctor because if you, were really supposed to, if you were really supposed to have that, then this would come to you and all of this would be done, kind of like osmosis. I have. I have all the legal rights. I have the ability. It's paid for. I can go to the doctor, but I won't do anything to exercise my rights. What are you going to get? Absolutely nothing. Well, Jesus bought and paid for it all at the cross. Let's go to um, 1 John. I want to go to 1 John 5. And 14. And this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. So he said, this is the confidence, this is the trust, this is the ability that we have in God. That we ask him anything according to his will. Do you know that the will of God is always healing? Do you know that for yourself in here? that there's no exceptions to it. God always healeth. Healing always comes. It is not always received. Well, what about those people that said that they're believing, but they went on? What about them? Do we really know what's in anybody's heart? Do we really know? You know, I heard of this, um, a friend of mine had a friend who was a really close friend and She's a healing minister, and this woman uh, 
was on her deathbed, and she got on her deathbed with her, and she grabbed her. This was a dear, very dear friend. She'd been friends since grade school, and she grabbed her by the shirt, and she said, you better tell me what you believe. I am healed by the stripes of Jesus, is what she said. And the woman departed for heaven that evening, and she was heartbroken, and she was just beside herself. How come she'd done it? Well, what she found out is that the woman had bought a whole bunch of Bibles, and she had inscribed in all her Bibles for all her grandkids so her grandkids wouldn't forget her when she was gone. Was she planning for life or was she planning for death? She was planning for death. She was saying things, but in her heart of hearts, she was already departing. If you want to live, then you have to set that line and you have to burn that bridge of what if behind you. You have to, for lack of any other way to go, is you're at the edge of the cliff and you have to uh, spiritually jump and believe God and burn that bridge behind you of what if. Well, what if so-and-so says this? What about that? So what? They're going to say what they want to say. They're going to think what they want to think. If you do this based on the word of God, you will get God's results. He said, incline your ear unto my saying. Let them not, you know, look at the word of God and, and meditate on it and get it in you and get it in you and get it in you and get it in you. You know how you have it in you? When it talks back to you. That's when you know. I used to do Psalms, I think it's 143 or 145. I get it mixed up. But it's towards the end. It says, cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way and where I shall walk, for I lift up my soul unto you. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies, for I flee unto thee to hide me. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Quicken me, O Lord, for your name's sake. And for your righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble and cut off all my enemies and destroy them and afflict my soul. I used to do that every night before I went to bed. I would meditate on that. And one morning, God started speaking to me in that psalm. See, you know it's in you when the spirit of the Lord can bring it back to you. So you just keep putting it in, putting it in, putting it in. And our pastor says it this way, which I think he's 100% accurate. He said, just about the time you put it in so much you can't, you think if I have to do it one more time, he says, then you've only just begun. Then you've really begun your journey. <laughs> I like that so well. So healing's not a reward for doing good. You know, um, has to be received by faith. It's impossible to please God without faith because God is a rewarder to those that diligently seek him. But when you understand his word, when you settle it in your heart that God cannot lie what he said he will do. He said, am I a man that I should lie? Have I not said it? Shall I not do it? He also said this. He said, is not my word like a hammer? breaking apart every stubborn rock. So every time you use the word of God, it's like God's hammer, and it is breaking apart every bit of sickness, every bit of disease, and every time you do it, it just breaks a little bit more and breaks a little bit more, breaks a little bit more. Gloria Copeland says it this way. She said, inconsistency, inconsistency, two words, 
lies the key. In being consistent lies the key. We talked about this last time, but how much does it take to fill a cup? Put it in, put it in, put it in, put it in, depending on how big the cup is, depending on how long the stream is, how fast the stream is, will determine how long it takes. How long, how much does it take to overflow? One drop. But you can't overflow until you fill up. And so what we want is the word of God overflowing because what it does when something fills up, it pushes out anything that's in there. So the overflow of the overflow, when, the, when the, the word of God is so big inside of you, when you open your mouth, think of it as agreeing with God. I agree with God. Here's the report. The report says this. Well, you don't argue with anybody about the report. It's not a, that's not the place to argue. But I always say inside of me, it's like, mm -mm, that's not mine. That's not my report. I don't. Listen, it may have my name on it, but I'll tell you what, it's going to change. Right now, right here. I believe the report of God. His report says I am healed. His report says I shall not die but live and declare the works of God. He said with long life he will satisfy me and show me my salvation. With long life. How long is long life for you? I want to live till I'm satisfied. That means until uh, John 17, 4 is complete. I've completed my course and I've given you glory because I've completed everything that you have assigned me to do. And that's when I'm going to go. I don't, I am not going to allow the enemy to push me out early. I'm not going early and I'm not going sick. Can you decide that? Yeah, you can decide that. Well, how can you decide that? God says he'll give you the desires of your heart. God said that you can ask what you will and it'll be done for you. Well, how do I know I'll do it? He said, this is a confidence. If you ask anything, now, did he say, if you ask only this little thing, will I give it to you? Take the limits off of where God wants you to go and what God has for you to do. But it requires something of us. We don't earn it, but we have to position ourselves to receive. God is always for us. He's never against us. If he was against us, why would he have sent Jesus? Would you send your most valuable thing, your son or your daughter, your husband or your wife, would you send them to die for nothing? Would you sacrifice them for nothing? If God didn't want us to use the benefits that he provided, why would he have sent Jesus? But he did send Jesus. And so we have an opportunity to engage with the things of God or we have an opportunity to go along and as they say, let it come to pass. Let's go look at um, the one with the issue of blood real quick. Um, well, Jairus is what I want to go. I want to go to Mark. That's where I was and I turned it over. So I just want to read a little bit of this. Mark 4, 5, and, excuse me, 5 and 22. 
It says, And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet. So this is a ruler of the synagogue, and these are the ones that were persecuting Jesus at this time. And so he gave up everything to come to the feet of Jesus because they were kicking him out of the synagogue if they went with the things of Jesus. So he would give up his whole livelihood. He would give up his life. He would be kicked out of his church. All of that went with it. And he comes and he says, and he besought him greatly saying, my little daughter lies at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she shall live. Now, it's an interesting thing. What was Jesus doing before then? Was he standing around just waiting for Jairus to come? No, he was ministering. He was ministering to a great crowd of people. And it says, and Jesus went with them. So what did Jairus say? Come, lay your hands on her, that she may be healed and she shall live. Whose faith is in operation here, Jesus's or Jairus's? Jairus's, right? So Jesus stopped what he was doing, and he turned around and he started going with Jairus, didn't he? Now, think about this. Jairus' faith moved Jesus. His need did not move him because the whole crowd had needs, didn't they? But Jairus' faith, who determined how his daughter was going to be healed? Jesus or Jairus? Jairus. What did he say? Come, lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she shall live. And Jesus went with them and much people followed him. And a certain woman with had an issue of blood 12 years. She suffered many things. Many physicians had spent all she had, nothing better, grew worse. She heard of Jesus and came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may just touch his clothes, I shall be made whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the plague. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that virtue or power, that's the healing power of God there, had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? And the disciples said unto him, you see the multitude. What are you saying? Who touched me? What do you mean? Who didn't touch you? So we're not going to talk about all the things with the woman of issue of blood because I just want to see one point here. And the, his disciples said unto him, uh, you see the multitude who, you know, who touched me. And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. Now, I always ask this question. When is the woman told all the truth and it took a minute? So you know, they were there for a little while. But now remember, Jairus' daughter is at the point of death. And so he's the ruler. He's some big muckety-muck. And he's the ruler of the synagogue. And Jesus is coming. And all of a sudden, this woman who had purposed in her heart and said with her mouth, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be whole. Come in, touches the hem of her garment. She's trying to sneak away. And Jesus stops everything. Jairus, what would you, if you were the parent, what would you be thinking? I have the right to stone that woman. She shouldn't be out in public to begin with. I don't know what she's doing. My daughter is going to die if this guy doesn't get here and lay his hands on her. What? Can you imagine everything that's going through his head? So here's what happens is she's telling all the truth. He said to her daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of that faith. Who, of the plague, whose faith? Jesus's or the woman? He said, your faith made you whole. 
While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Your daughter is dead. Don't bother Jesus anymore. As soon as Jesus heard the words that were spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. So what does that tell you? Fear is of the enemy's camp. Your words are hooked up with what's in you. And as Jack gave the testimony, his words were hooked up with life. And I heard his wife's side of the testimony. I know her words were hooked up with life. And she was demanding things. Those things you don't put in there in the minute of crisis and get that type of benefit like you do when you've planted them day in and day out and day in and day out. And so he said, don't fear. No fear. Only believe. So Jairus had a choice here. doesn't record anything that Jairus said. But can you imagine what you want to say? Say what, what, you know, what is going on in your mind. And it says in the Proverbs, a fool utters all his mind, but a wise man holds it till afterward. Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. Even a, so you think about those things. So when you're hooked up, you've got to be hooked up with the things of God. So he said, be not afraid. Choose not to fear. Well, everybody fears. What is fear? False evidence appearing real. False evidence. False evidence. You know what? If you had a friend that lied to you as much as fear lies to you, how long would you tolerate them? <laughs> no. Fear has a history of telling you a whole bunch of stuff. And then people say, well, how do you meditate the word? Well, how do, you, how do you worry? All you're doing is you're meditating on the lies of the devil and taking the currency of hell, which is fear, and just keep meditating on, oh, you'll never make it. It's not going to happen. You know so-and-so, they were a great man or woman of God. That's why they got healed. You know such and such. You know what you did back in 1919. I know what you did, you know. And then you start thinking about that and you meditate. Yeah, but what if this and what if that and what if this? Well, God said, be not afraid, only believe. How do you do that? I choose. I choose. I command fear to get off of me in the name of Jesus. You know, when did fear come in? When did fear come in? After Adam sinned, right? Not before, after Adam sinned. Does that tell you something? It ain't good. No fear is good. No fear is good. Yeah, but I, I got to teach my children. No, you teach them reverence for cars that you go out and play in freeways. A car will kill you. You teach them reverence. You teach them the right way, but you don't teach them by fear. Holy Spirit's our teacher. So you take the word of God. And I, I don't care what's going up here. You take the word of God and you say, I'll tell you what, I fear not. God said, fear not. He didn't say, if you want to, don't fear. He said, fear not, only believe. So I'll tell you what, I choose God. I choose God's way. I will not fear, but I believe that it will be done unto me the way the word of God says, by his stripes. I am healed. I'm not going to be Going to be as in the future. Hope is in the future. When is faith? Now. 
Faith is now. I have now faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So let's see how this ends. And he said, no man to follow him except for Peter and James and John the brother. And he comes to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and uh, seeth the tumult. You know, he used to hire people uh, back then to wail and carry on when somebody departed. And then that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was coming, he said to them, why are you making this ado and weeping? You know, the damsel's not dead but sleeps. And they laughed him to scorn. They laughed him to scorn. Now think about that. The Bible says, be angry but sin not. So what did he do? When he had put them all out, when he, I like this part because there's some people you have to put out of your life for a season. Those that won't line up. I heard of this years ago. Lou Tice, who is a, a big well-known speaker, especially in the Northwest. Um, I went to one of his seminars years and years ago, and his wife had been diagnosed with cancer. <clears throat> and the prognosis was not very good. And, um, and she was in a hospital for an extended period of time. And so what he did in the hospital, he had, he had these big poster boards written up and posted. And he said, we only speak life in this room. And we believe, and I, I don't know the exact wording, he didn't use a lot of biblical words, but it led me to believe some of the things he did were just uh, the biblically based things is what he did, because he spoke life. He said, there's no death, we're going to speak a future, what are we going to do in the future? And there is nothing else, anybody that would come in and do it likewise, he'd kick them out, wouldn't tolerate it. And see, your home's your zone. You don't have to have anybody in there that's going to speak against you. And when somebody comes to tell you a bad report about so-and-so or such-and-such, -such, you can easily say, you know, you can switch the subject. He said, well, let's pray for them. I believe God can heal them. Take the words of God and use the words of God. People that just want to bring, uh, bring bad things, and, you know, listen, this whole thing about, oh, let's get on, let's get on this media socially and, and let's have everybody pray for us. Well, I'll tell you what, you don't want a lot of those people praying for you. They don't pray the word of God. And they pray, if it be your will, Lord, heal them. Well, what's the rest of that statement? If it's not, kill them. <laughs> they just don't say that part. But that, what, is the, what is the end of that statement? And when did, if it be your will, come in to the Bible? One time at the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus prayed, Father, if this cup can pass through me, by me, but, nevertheless, thy will be done. Can you say, Father, if there's any way else that we can get this done, could we please do it? Because I'm sweating blood here. This is an issue. But not my will, but your will be done. And so when we understand that God's will is always healing, God is always for your good. He always wants healing and restoration. And you understand that the enemy, we have an enemy. He comes not but to kill, steal, and destroy. He's coming for your life. And if he can take your whole life out, he will do it. If he can make you go for years of sickness and disease, he'll do it. But the end result is to kill, steal, and actually destroy and take you out early. So whose report do you believe? We believe the report of the Lord.
They laughed him all to scorn, and he put everybody out except the father and the mother. And he took the damsel by the hand and said to her, to meet the kumi, which is being interpreted damsel, I say, arise. And straightway the damsel rose and walked, for she was the age of 12 years, and they were astonished at a great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it and command them something should be given her to eat. So who, whose report do you believe? We believe the report of the Lord. So Jairus, Jairus, what he did was he feared not, only believed. Feared not, only believed. We have the responsibility. Notice, let's go one more scripture and then we're going to close. Let's go to Mark 11. Oh, this is Kenneth Hagin's favorite scripture. Some people thought he wrote it. God is so good. You know, when you get it settled once and for all in your heart, do you remember the, um, do you remember the man that came to Jesus and said, you can heal me if you will? What was Jesus' response? I will be healed. So let's go to Mark and then I'll finish that thought. Mark 11, 23 and 24 says this. Jesus answered, said, have faith in God or have the God kind of faith. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say, who is the whosoever? Take your little fingers, make sure they work. Just pull them out like this, make sure they work. Wiggle them around and put them in. That's the whosoever. All right? Whosoever shall say to the mountain, what's the mountain? Problem, sickness, disease, anything that doesn't line up with the word of God. Be removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart. Remember what the scripture says if you, if, if, um, um, hello, thank you. You have confidence, if your heart condemn you not, then you have confidence towards the things of God. How do you get to the point where your heart doesn't condemn you? Where you're not bombarded by everything you did? Well, just repent. You know, sometimes there's sin. There's, you know, people, wanna, people want to hide sin and do what they want to do no matter what, even if it's against God, and they want to come to God and say, I want all your benefits. But what, what really happens here is you have given Satan a legal right against you when we have sin in our lives. So when we say, yeah, hey, I did it, I confess, and you repent and you receive the forgiveness, it takes away every legal right. So if you're trying to get healed and you've got sin in your life, deal with the sin, get it out, and trust God. So he says, be thou removed and be cast into the sea. And shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe. How do you believe? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That those things, T-H-I-N-G-S, things. Well, what does that mean? You cannot say, praise the Lord, I'm healed. And then somebody says, how are you doing? I've got to tell you how bad it really is. You just don't know how much I've gone through. You don't know how bad it is. Well, guess what? First of all, I'm not the healer. And you can rehearse and rehearse and rehearse. We can all tell everybody how bad our situation is. But you know what? All you've done is you've gone to the enemy's camp and you've given them ammunition and you've given them ammunition and you have stacked 
your words against God repeatedly. He said, your words have been stacked against me. How can I do anything? We can stop God with our words. So you can't be one time saying, oh, yes, praise the Lord, I'm healed. And then pillow talk is, oh, my God, I don't know if I'm going to make it. You have got to be steadfast in what you believe and coming out of your mouth. You know what? Sometimes when it has been so bad and pain has been so bad, you know, I've taken the word of God. And I said, I'll tell you. I fell down the stairs. This was a few years back, and um, which is really stupid. But hey, I fell down the stairs, and when I got up, I couldn't walk. I couldn't walk. There's nothing I could do. I mean, I just couldn't walk. And um, I had, I think it was, I don't know what leg it was that was partway working, but I'm telling the other one talked, screamed had a canary, and it was taking every ounce of my being. And, um, um, and then, you know, the, the bad thing about it is nobody in the house heard it or whatever else, so I didn't even get any help that way. And I'm thinking, oh, you know. But anyway, I remember, I thought, uh-uh, uh-uh, no, no, you are not my Lord. No, 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 no. And I, I did hobble for a day and a half, or maybe two, I'm thinking, but I was from not being able to do anything to talking to that pain and talking to that situation and talking to those muscles, talking to those bones and telling them, you're going to line up. I am healed. I'm not getting healed, but I am healed by the power of God. And I took that, and within about two days, there was no symptoms there. See, you have to take, one time my granddaughter, we were going to get tuxes and things like that, so she's back playing with really big mirrors, and she was about four at the time, so it's quite a number of years ago. And um, she's playing around, and I'm writing the check, and my husband's trying on the tux, making sure everything looks good, and all of a sudden we hear this, ah, from the back. She fell, and however she fell, she hit the mirror with her head. And she had this big, humongous goose egg on the top of her head. So I was teaching her about the things about healing. And, um, and so, you know, of course, everything stopped and ran over there. And I said, now listen to me. I said, Jesus will heal you if you want. Do you want to? And she said, yeah, Grandma, yeah, yeah. And she's just a whale. And I said, well, put your hand on your head. So she put her hand on her head. Well, I really wasn't thinking. I went like this. You know, I just smacked my hand on her head. I thought later, oh, that probably kind of hurt. And we prayed, and we removed our hands. The goose egg was gone. There was no redness. And she went back to playing. It was all good. See, little kids, oh, they get it. They get it. What do I have to do? Yes, I'm willing. Let me do it. And one time she prayed for uh, my husband. This was uh, about a year or so later, I guess. One time she prayed for my husband, and he had, I don't know, he had some kind of growth or something on his hand, and she grabbed a hold of it, and she prayed for it. And that thing went down that night and never returned. You know, God is a God of, yes, I'll show up. If you will give me the avenue, I will do it. But you're going to have to trust me. You know, quality decision, I talk about this all the time, a quality decision is one, is that you decide you're going to do what it says in the Word of God. There's no more argument. The argument's all done. This is what's settled. This is where we're going. But there's no retreat back here. Every bit, bridge back here has been burned. There's no retreat. We are only moving forward. You ever notice the armor 
is for moving forward. Put on the whole arm of God. Put it all on. You're protected. You got the shield of faith. You're protected. The armor is for you to move forward, not to move backward. All right, so he said, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. It doesn't say he'll have some things that I think he ought to have. He'll have some things maybe if I feel like it. He said he shall have whatsoever he said. Therefore, I say to you what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them. Can I say it this way? What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive you your trespasses. So it reminds me of a, of a case. Uh, a friend of mine was ministering to this gentleman who was in a wheelchair, been in a wheelchair five plus years, I guess. And, and as he's ministering to him, the Spirit of the Lord uh, told him that he has unforgiveness. And uh, when he brought it, he said, but he said, I'll heal him if he'll forgive. And he brought it up, and he told the man, he said, no, you don't know what that woman did to me. Well, come to find out, the woman had departed like 10 years previous, so she wasn't even on the earth anymore. And he was still not forgiving. So unforgiveness is like taking poison and looking for the other person to die. It doesn't work that way. Well, forgiveness is a decision, is all it is. Father, your word says to forgive. There's emotions tied with it, and that's why it seems hard to do. But it's not a decision of the emotion. It's a decision of the heart. I choose to forgive. I choose not to have ought against any. Father, I release forgiveness to that person. I'm asking you to forgive me because I probably had a pardon there somewhere. So guilty, but I plead the blood. And so now that you're clean, when it comes back up and this person comes to you and they're just rubbing you the wrong way, I thank you, Father, and I find no fault in that person whatsoever because after all, you love them. If you love them, you love them, then you have a way for me to love them. So forgiveness is just an act of your will. But he says if you refuse to do that, then I am hindered from helping you. So we want to look at that side of it. But okay, so when we look at this, and he said, if I can say it this thing, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive and you shall have. So I say it this way, at the amen is when I take it. I believe I receive it. And so when I'm praying and I go to the Father and I ask him and I say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I take this at the amen. Well, what if nothing changes in your body? Well, what if nothing changes in your body? There's nothing that you could see or you can perceive, but does that mean nothing changed? Everything changed. What did you just pray? Did you pray in faith? Did you believe that those things you say will come to pass? Did you pray according to God's will? Do you know that you know that you know that you know inside of you that God's will is for you to be healed? Do you know that for a, a truth, not even a fact? You know it. Do you know it? And if you don't know, how do you change your knower? Get into the word of God. See what God says about it. Faith begins where the will of God is known. If you don't know the will of God, you can't have any faith in what he said. So you have to know that he didn't give you sickness. Where did he get it from? Where did he get it from? 
Sickness. Where did he get sickness from? How could he give it to you? If he's an all-consuming fire, when Adam sinned and gave authority over to the enemy, don't you think as the father that God wanted to run up and hug him? But he's an all-consuming fire. What do you think would have happened if God would have come up there and give him a hug? It would have burned him up. And then all of what has gotten the devil wins is the bottom line. He's an all sin cannot stand in his presence. Just not. So sin entered in at the fall. Death by sin. That's how that came in. So he's an all-consuming fire. All-consuming fire. And I lost my train of thought. So I'm not sure where I was going with that, so we're going to conclude this way. <laughs> Let me stop you there. Because what it is, is thoughts never override thoughts. They, they are on the same level. Thoughts will never override thoughts. The only thing that override thoughts are words. Words override thoughts. So when your mind is going 90 to nothing and everything is against you, I'll tell you what I believe. And you tell your ears what you believe. You're going to believe you before you believe anybody else. You're going to take your word because you know who you are. So when you say, I believe the report of the Lord. But thoughts, they're on the same level. They have the same, let's just say they have the same power against one another. But words have power over thoughts. Now, so if you take the truth, and the word of God is truth, you take the truth and you speak that, then you have hooked up with the power base. If you think about it this way, there's plenty of outlets over here. And if you had a radio, you got a plug, you've got a radio, and you got an outlet. If it's not plugged into the outlet, it doesn't produce anything. But it has a power source once plugged in correctly. So when you plug into the power source, so you take the word of God and you speak. And, you know, God said that we were created speaking spirits. That's what makes us different from every other thing that was created. And he didn't create it out of nothing. He created it with his faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Everything that you see was created through faith, through his speaking, through the word. So there's tremendous power where the words are concerned. Okay, so let me conclude with this. Let's see. Let me just give you a couple points here that we can do. I'm going to burn through what I haven't done here. Healing is the children's bread. So you have to settle in your heart that it's always God's will to heal you. So assess where you're at. Just find out where you're at, what you really believe. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. Do you have any sin in your life? Get it out. If our heart condemns us not, then we have confidence towards God. Repent. Repent needs to turn from whatever that is. And then ask Holy Spirit for help. Ask Holy Spirit what scripture or scriptures you need to stand on. Because he knows the ultimate source of what is going on there. And we may think that this disease or this symptom is because, because of this. But 
there is a lot of hidden things we don't know about, but Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you to the truth. Find scriptures that declare healing belongs to you. Refuse to doubt. What ifs, fear, all of that, get rid of it. Settle it once and for all. I will fear not. I believe God. Tell yourself, you know, you don't eat once a week. You eat three times a day. Sometimes you snack. You get coffee. You have water. You have all of these things. Get the, get the conversation going with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, help me. You said you lead me and guide me. Now, all the truth. I love what I heard one time. Um, um, somebody speaking, he said, people keep asking me how much time I spend in prayer. And he said, well, he said, uh, I can't remember the last time I spent probably more than 20 minutes or so. He said, but I pray. Every few minutes. I'm praying, I'm talking to God every few minutes, and I thought, oh, well, that is good. I mean, that was like a light bulb went off. You don't have, it's not just five minutes or 10 minutes or 30 minutes on your knees. It's a constant communion with Holy Spirit. He will show you things to come. Um, engage your faith. Listen, read, speak the word. You're not doing this to convince God to do anything, but to build up your faith in you so big that it overflows and pushes out every sickness and every disease. Having done all to stand, refuse to be moved. Trust God will do what he says. Cease from your own works. I don't know about you, but that's a tough one for me. A lot of things I can do pretty easy, but sometimes I feel like I have to do something. Got to be doing something. I have to earn something. You can't earn anything with God. But you remember the Israelites could not enter in because of their unbelief. Not because God didn't want them to have it, but because of their unbelief. Remember when they were in the wilderness and they started to sin against God and the asps started to bite them? I asked somebody one time, I said, do you think those asps were in the desert beforehand? And they said, oh, no. I said, they were in a desert. Yes, they were there. God had all his protection, but when they sinned against God, God removed the protection which allowed the enemy access in. See, we always think about, well, God, do this for me, do this for me, do this for me. But God has protection, and a lot of times we allow the enemy access by what we speak, by what we're looking at, what we're talking about, the company we keep. All of that makes a difference. Cease from your own works. We work to um, position ourselves to be in position to receive what God has. God gave you authority over all the works of the enemy. This is where a lot of people don't take their authority and they don't use their authority. Let me read this one thing by uh, Napoleon Hill because I thought um, was really good. Faith is the head chemist of the mind. When faith is blended with thought, the subconscious mind instantly picks up the vibrations, translating it into its spiritual equivalent and transmit... Um, and transmit it into infinite intelligence, as in the case of prayer. So he said, faith is the head chemist of the mind. It allows your subconscious to go down and do things that it needs to do. But more than that, faith hooks up with God and allows God, faith, the currency of heaven, you do in exchange your faith for what was paid for at the cross. Amen. Well, Father, we just thank you and we praise you for your word. You said signs follow, preaching of the word. And so 
We've been obedient to do that which you've called us to do today. So we're thanking you right now for signs following, for healings, for manifestations, for demonstrations in the Spirit. We thank you, Lord. We give you all the glory. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.